Hey, my name's Jamie Poisson, and I'm the host of Frontburner. It's the CBC's daily news podcast. And every day we're discussing the big events and fault lines shaping Canada and the world. Politics, economics, social movements, you name it. Sometimes we even talk about really fun stuff like the enduring relevance of Lord of the Rings. You can hear Frontburner on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Welcome to The Dose. A surprising number of Canadians have significant hearing loss. Not just older people, but a surprising number of young people as well. More than 1 billion young people worldwide may be at risk of hearing loss, according to the World Health Organization. Some Canadians aren't fully aware that they have significant hearing loss. We're doing this topic now because decreased hearing affects quality of life in several pernicious ways for uh, older people and younger people. Uh, And for a lot of us, it's largely preventable. So this week we're asking, how can I prevent and treat hearing loss? Hi, Emma. Welcome to The Dose. Hi, Brian. Thanks so much for having me. Hearing loss can be gradual. You know, what do you hear from your patients about what made them seek medical help? Most of the time, it's uh, family members who are pressuring them to come in and see us. Because it is such a slow decline, people don't notice it from day to day. But if you think of your hearing five years ago to today, it has significantly decreased. So your family members are, are pressuring you to come in and see me because the TV is having to be turned up or yep. they're having to have louder conversations with their loved ones. And I think sometimes there's an ego thing. I think with my late father, he, you know, he didn't like the idea of requiring some kind of assistance and appearing to require assistance. And I suspect that for some people that that's true for you, for your clients as well. Absolutely. Stigma is definitely part of it. People don't want to wear big hearing aids and, and that are visible. Um, but good thing is, is with technology, things are getting smaller and smaller and more discreet. So we can help everyone now. Well, can't wait to hear what you have to say about this. But before we begin, can you give us a hi, my name is, tell us what you do and where you do it. Just ad lib. Yeah, sure. So my name is Emma LeBlanc. I'm an audiologist and I'm manager of the Hearing and Balance Center at Toronto General Hospital. And I'm a co-owner of the Monk Hearing Center Clinics. Okay, let's begin. How many people, roughly speaking, in Canada have hearing loss? We know that there's about 23% of Canadians who have hearing loss in Canada. Uh, It is broken down a little bit more by age. It's around 9% of individuals 20 to 39 years old have hearing loss. Mm -hmm. It it jumps up to about 27% among those who are 40 to 49. And then over the age of 50, it's as much as 51%. And it actually gets up to 94% of individuals 70 to 79. And You know, one of the things we did want to talk about is the fact that younger people are getting or experiencing hearing loss. And that's not exactly new because, you know, there there have been ultra loud concerts for decades now. But what do you know about the trends of of younger people getting hearing loss? Yeah, as you mentioned in, in the beginning, there's one billion people worldwide who are estimated to be at risk of hearing loss between the ages of 12 to 34 years old. And the primary reason for that is unsafe listening practices related to personal listening devices. So things like headphones, earbuds with your with your, your cell phones. And then the other thing is, as you just mentioned, high volume 
in in loud music venues. So I think it's fair to say that that you know concerts have been around for decades, but is there something newish about the personal listening devices that people are using that that are making them more at risk of hearing loss? Yeah, so I, I think just the accessibility of having your phone as your main source of music, your main source of, of listening enjoyment. Um, and having that on you at all times means that we can be dialed into whatever it is that we're, we're wanting to listen to 24 hours a day. And so that coupled with the fact that we have Bluetooth that makes things wireless and easy to just pop those earbuds in and go about our day uh, means that we're, we're exposed to noise much more than what we were, you know, even 10, 15 years ago. Now, thinking about primarily uh, seniors, you know, at what age do we typically start to to experience uh, significant hearing loss? It really depends on on quite a few factors related to hearing loss. So uh, one is genetics, the other is age and the other is environment. So whether or not you have hearing loss in your family, you're going to be more likely to to have hearing loss. Same thing with your environment. So if you're somebody who's been around loud noises, whether it's through recreational things like shooting or through your job, then you're going to notice hearing loss much, much sooner than somebody who's, let's say, 70 years old. So we tend to, it's really dependent on on a multitude of factors of, of when we would expect to see somebody in our clinic. But generally speaking, I would say 60 and over is when we we certainly start having the conversation of all right, you have some hearing loss. Now we should think about hearing aids. What are the most common causes of hearing loss? Age-related. So just purely as we get older, our, our system just doesn't work as well, and, and that, really, that, that causes hearing loss. And if we're looking at a, a hearing test, we test frequencies or, or, or pitches from low pitch to high pitch, just like a piano. So those bass notes to those treble notes. And as we age, we lose those high pitch or those treble notes more and more. So it's high frequency, high pitch hearing loss. And what that translates to everyday, everyday world is that we feel like people are mumbling. We're not hearing them clearly. We're not hearing those consonants, those F-S-T-H sounds, which help us to, to hear the clarity of, of speech. People listening to this might may think that Hearing loss is hearing loss, but there's conductive hearing loss and there is nerve damage hearing loss. Can you give us a little pricey on the difference? Yeah, absolutely. So as I mentioned earlier, there are three parts of our ear. There's the outer ear, the middle ear, and the inner ear. So the inner ear is where we have all the nerves and that's what conducts the sound to our brain. We have the middle ear space, which just sends the sound to that nerve. So if we have a blockage that's preventing the sound from getting to that nerve, that's what we call a conductive loss. The sound is not able to be conducted from the outer ear all the way into that, that hearing nerve. People may have heard of the, the term cochlea. So that cochlea is our hearing organ, and uh, which is the inner ear. If we have no problems with that middle ear space, the sound just gets right on in, goes through all those little tiny bones, and then gets to the cochlea. And if the cochlea is damaged, then we have a nerve damage or what we call sensory neural hearing loss. Some people uh, who are listening to, to this podcast have experienced tinnitus ringing in the ears. What's the relationship between tinnitus and hearing loss? We know that, that tinnitus affects about 17% of the population, and the cause is unknown in about 40%. So of that 60% of the known cause, it's um, often hearing loss. 
So we know that if somebody has hearing loss, they're more likely to have tinnitus. So is it an incidental finding in that in that case? It's just something that they're noticing and that if they're if their hearing is improved with, say, a hearing aid, that the tinnitus will be less. Because I know for some people, they're really bothered by 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 ringing in the ear by tinnitus. Yeah. So tinnitus is is definitely something that we see a lot of in our clinic and it is extremely um, it can be extremely bothersome. And so one of the first things that we do if somebody's complaining of, of tinnitus or I guess I should take a step back and say that tinnitus is any type of ex- of noise that you hear in your ear, whether it's ringing, buzzing, hissing, sounds like that, that are not ex- in the external environment, but they're heard inside your head. And so if somebody complains of tinnitus, the first thing we do is hear a hearing test. And that's the the first step in identifying truly the, the cause of the hearing loss, uh, of the tinnitus, excuse me. The way that we, we counsel patients is that I like to think of it almost as phantom limb pain. So when when we've lost a limb, oftentimes our brain is giving us an input that we can still feel it. Our arm is still itchy or it's still hurting, something like that, but it's not there. The same idea is with tinnitus is that there is a sound that's that's missing. We're not we're not hearing as well as we we used to. And so our brain is almost giving us that signal. It's telling us something is different, something has changed. And so we know that if we put sound back into people's ears through the use of hearing aids, we can actually benefit people and, and help them with their tinnitus and their tinnitus management. So restoring their hearing can actually cause the tinnitus to be reduced. Exactly. Got it. I think we're mainly talking about persistent hearing loss, but there are some very specific conditions. And in fact, I see some of them in the emergency department in which the hearing loss is sudden and temporary. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So sudden hearing loss is is absolutely an, a, an emergency. And we know that if a patient can get into the emergency room within 24 hours and get that that sudden hearing loss identified, that we have a, a better chance of improving their outcomes and, and recovering that hearing. But essentially what it is, is whether you wake up in the morning or just, just a, in a split second, you lose complete hearing on one side. Often it's just single-sided or one side. And that is um, something that's, as I mentioned, an emergency and, and we need to get people into the emergency room as soon as possible. And that's because there are treatments that that can uh, that can reverse it, and and sometimes that involves the use of high doses of of what we call corticosteroids, drugs like medications like like prednisone. And I've actually exactly. prescribed it for that very purpose, and I know that it has restored hearing uh, almost as quickly as as it had disappeared. But there is another cause of acute hearing loss that I think is also worth talking about, and that is a buildup of cerumen or wax inside the ears. You got it. <laughs> Um, and that's, that's actually a conductive hearing loss. So that's when the sound is just not able to get to that hearing nerve because there is a block of wax. Uh, the good thing is, is that with either drops in the ears or through under suction or under microscope, like we can do here uh, at the hospital, we can remove that wax and, and uh, the hearing is completely restored. Okay, let's get back to people who have more persistent uh, impairment in their hearing. Um, one of the things you said off the top is that is that people often have to be kind of dragged or, or, or persuaded heavily to speak to an audiologist to go to a hearing clinic. When should they? When should they be seeking medical help uh, for hearing loss above and beyond that sudden catastrophic loss of hearing that we were just talking about? So we recommend that anybody... Anybody really over, I would say over the age of 30, over the age of 40 should do routine hearing checks. 
Um, just like we go to the dentist routinely, just like we go to the eye doctor routinely, we really should be checking our hearing every one to two years, depending on your age. So we can go maybe every two to five, five years over the age of 30. But then at the age of 50, then maybe we should be doing it more frequently. Hi, I'm Michelle Shepard, host of Uncover Charmini from CBC Podcasts. In 1999, 15-year-old Charmini Anandeville disappeared on her way to a job that police believed didn't exist. Four months later, her remains were found in a wooded ravine. I revisit the case that has stayed with me for over 20 years, ever since I first covered it as a cub crime reporter for the Toronto Star. You can find Uncover Charmini on CBC Listen or on your favorite podcast app. And... I'm going to ask now a little bit personally, what are you checking for? Uh, And I say that because, uh, you know, I had a a sense that I was losing my hearing and that I thought I might need a hearing aid. And I got tested and I was told, no, you don't. You can wait. So what's that all about? Yeah. So what happens is we can lose some of our extra high or ultra high pitch sounds that can cause us to have more difficulty hearing and background noise. Uh, which would bring people into our office sooner. And it's something that we can, uh, we can't aid. So we can't put a hearing aid on. Hearing aids have a very specific range of pitches that they can help. And so if you have hearing loss that's beyond those uh, that the hearing aid can help, then we just say, let's monitor the hearing and we'll, we'll check it every couple of years. And, and we do know that eventually you'll probably need hearing aids because if we have some hearing loss, uh, often it just kind of gets progressively a little bit worse over time. So then let's talk about hearing aids 101, as it were. What are they good for? And and you've already told me what they're not good for, but can you be more specific about, about, about what they help restore? So hearing can help, uh, sorry, hearing aids can help restore hearing, but unfortunately hearing aids are not like glasses. So you don't just put them on and, and, go about your business and you have perfect hearing or perfect eyesight. So hearing aids are excellent to bring back your hearing to a louder level. But what they can't do is pick out what you want to hear when you're in a party, let's say. So if you're in in a group setting, the hearing aids are going to increase the volume of everything. And so we're really working with your brain with hearing aids. The more people wear their hearing aid, the more they get used to their hearing aid, the more successful they are going to be long term in these more complex environments. So we know that they can help you. They can make sounds louder and help you in these louder environments as well as in quiet environments. But we really need to work together, practice wearing those hearing aids and wear them as much as possible to be the most successful. If Somebody has a a problem with speech, what we call word recognition thresholds. So just word recognition, just it's like a lack of clarity of speech. Once that clarity of speech has declined, it's not something that we can fix. So if we test your hearing, so we test hearing through thresholds. So you hear a beep and you press a button, but we also test speech. And so people repeat words after me. If the words are, let's say at a, Uh, 65%. If I get a 65% word recognition threshold, I put hearing aids on them. I still expect them to only get 65% of the words correct. Mm. So even though hearing aids make it louder, it cannot correct for that, that distortion. 
So we've been talking about hearing aids that that uh, you place in the ear and they uh, emit sounds that that pass through your uh, you know into your inner ear. Um, what about bone conduction uh, hearing aids? How are they different? So bone conduction hearing aids are uh, little implantable devices. This is actually just a little post that gets implanted behind the ear, and then the hearing aid processor gets snapped onto the back. And so what it does is it bypasses all that outer external ear as well as the middle ear, and it goes directly to the cochlear, directly to that hearing organ to stimulate it there. So we would use a Baja or or a bone-anchored hearing system for somebody who has something wrong with with getting the sound, conducting the sound to that that cochlea. And is is that the same as a cochlear implant? No. So uh, a bone-anchored hearing aid is, is just a little abutment that goes into the bone behind the ear. A cochlear implant is uh, a, a device that actually gets implanted through the, the, the ear and into the cochlea. It's actually got an electrode array that goes into the cochlea, and the sound is actually an electronic sound that goes into the cochlea and then sends a signal through the hearing nerve. You know, we we I think we're we're talking mostly to the population that's older and is experiencing age-related hearing loss. What about younger people who have either lost hearing because of their occupation? Maybe they didn't wear protective uh, 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 earplugs to 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 decrease the 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 sound input, or perhaps they went to a lot of concerts, or they're using personal listening devices at, at too high a volume. What sort of damage do they have? How do uh, hearing aids uh, help them? So over repeated exposure to loud noises, the hearing doesn't recover. So we do know that there's what we call a temporary threshold shift. So if somebody has exposure to a loud, uh, say if they're standing beside a loud speaker at a concert, they could experience a sudden or a, a temporary threshold shift the next day that recovers. The more we do that, the more temporary threshold shifts we have, the more likelihood that that doesn't, that the shift never actually goes back to normal. So that would just be a a purely sensory neural nerve damaged hearing loss. So the best thing for for those individuals in terms of helping them with their hearing would just be a traditional hearing aid. And clearly, since it's self-induced, that's something that should be preventable. Um, uh, we'll get to that. Uh, I think we'll close off by, by by talking about that in a few minutes. But uh, you know, you were talking about about hearing aids. You know, the message I got from you was that you you know you want people once they once they start using hearing aids to to use them all the time so that they get get used to them. Is there an ideal age um, before which uh, it, it's more optimal to get used to hearing aids as opposed to waiting later? Because I you know my sense is that is that once you become very old, once you're 85 or 90 or 95, I don't think it's impossible, but it's but it becomes more challenging for people to adapt to hearing aids. You are absolutely right. Um, we do, I don't have a, a specific age, but I do do know that the sooner we get hearing aids on somebody, the more likelihood they're going to be successful long term. We also know that the sooner we get hearing aids on, the less likelihood that that word recognition scores are going to decrease. So that distortion, if we can keep the ear from, it's almost like it's working. So we're, we're, we're continuing to put sound into the ear and continuing to make that brain work. As long as the brain doesn't forget how to work, then, then the hearing aids are going to be successful. So let's keep that sound, um, sound going into the ear 
from as early as we can. So as soon as we identify hearing loss, as soon as we identify somebody is a, a hearing aid candidate, then that's that's as soon as we should get the hearing aids on on them. Well, well, so there's a use it or lose it component to this to hearing loss as well. Yeah, to some degree, like I said, not the threshold. So we cannot prevent the hearing from de- decreasing, but we can prevent some of that word, that distortion from happening. Not all the time, but it's something that we we absolutely strive for. So I said we're going to talk about prevention because I think it's really, really important here. What can I do now to protect my hearing? So the best thing that you can do is to wear earplugs. So depending on what you're doing, depending on what you're exposing yourself to, um, you can go as simple as the, the over-the-counter, at the at the drugstore, uh, uh, little foam earplugs that you put in your ears anytime that you are doing anything that's loud. So that's power tools, that's mowing your lawn, that's using a saw, anything like that, to a, a custom-made earplugs for somebody who's in construction, maybe, who wants to, who needs to wear earplugs all the time, that needs to be comfortable. Uh, and then for somebody who's listening to music at a concert, we have what we call musician plugs. There could be non-custom and custom uh, non-custom obviously are cheaper. They're kind of a, a small, medium, large size fits all. And what they do is they filter out the noise properly. So you get the fidelity or the, the better sound when you're listening to music. So you can do that. Or we have the same thing in a custom made product. So it's molded to your ear and they have these special filters in them that again, keeps the sound quality. So you can still hear your music, but it's not, it's not at a loud level. It's at a safer level. And then lastly, in terms of listening to music uh, on a personal listening device, there are apps that you can download. I think most of the, the phones now actually have a, a limiter on them where they tell you when you're listening to music too loud. So absolutely download those apps. If it's not already on your phone, pay attention to that. And then my last tip is to use uh, noise-canceling headphones. So when you're listening to your phone and you're going in a subway or you're driving and it's there's there's traffic or the windows down you're going to be inclined to turn up the volume so that you can overcome that external noise mm. by wearing by wearing those those noise canceling headphones you're going to be able to listen to it at a much quieter level and and be safe you work in a in a teaching hospital uh hearing clinic where should people go to get their hearing tested they can go to any audiology clinic. Um, you can really just Google audiology or, or um, hearing test near me and you will find one. The most important thing is that if you get, um, if somebody recommends hearing aids is that, that you make sure that you're comfortable with the people that you're talking to because it is a relationship that you're going to be developing for, for quite some time. Um, and so you want to make sure that you're comfortable and that they have the clinic policies or something that, that you're, you know, you want to come back to and get your hearing checked regularly. Uh, seek the advice of a trained audiologist because they're the ones who can best advise you. That, that is certainly, an, you know, one of the most important things I'm getting from you, Emma LeBlanc, but I want to thank you. You are a fountain of information and, um, you certainly told me a lot of things I didn't know before. So thank you very much for coming on to The Dose to talk about hearing loss and what to do about it. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Emma LeBlanc is an audiologist and manager of the Hearing and Balance Center and co-owner of the Monk Hearing Center Clinics at the Toronto General Hospital. 
Here's your dose of smart advice. Hearing loss is very common, especially among older Canadians, but the incidence is also increasing among younger people. Some begin experiencing hearing loss in their 20s or 30s. Some of these cases may be caused by otosclerosis, a condition in which there is abnormal remodeling of the bones of the middle ear. Noise exposure is also a major factor in the rising prevalence of hearing loss in younger people. Sources of excess noise include frequent use of personal listening devices, attendance at loud concerts, bars, and nightclubs, and occupational exposure. There are three types of hearing loss. Sensory neural results from damage to the inner ear nerves. Conductive is the result of blockages to the outer or middle ear. Mixed hearing loss is a combination of both. Factors in hearing loss among older people include age-related nerve damage, the aforementioned otosclerosis, smoking, and chronic diseases. A whole host of medications can cause or contribute to hearing loss. Earwax buildup is a common cause of hearing loss that is completely reversible through safe removal of the wax or cerumen by a trained professional. Sudden sensory neural hearing loss is a condition that causes rapid hearing loss over hours to days and is considered an emergency because prompt medical treatment can reverse it in many instances. Hearing aids are effective for those who experience progressive hearing loss. The choice depends on the type and severity of hearing loss, the size and shape of your outer ears and inner ear canals, manual dexterity, and lifestyle. An audiologist can help you find the right device. With age, it gets harder to adapt to hearing aids, so the sooner you start wearing them regularly, the better. Assistive listening devices use an external microphone to amplify speech and direct it to earphones or earbuds. These portable devices make it easier to follow conversations in certain noisy environments with poor acoustics. Cochlear implants are electronic devices that convert sound to digital signals that are sent to the brain, bypassing damaged nerve cells. They help patients with severe or profound hearing loss who can't benefit from hearing aids. There are several reasons why it's important to address hearing loss. Not being able to hear affects quality of life and causes social isolation. In older adults, it increases the likelihood and severity of dementia and can contribute to falls. Noise-related hearing loss is preventable by wearing proper hearing protection on the job or at concerts and by turning down the volume on listening devices. Finally, it's important to get your hearing checked regularly to detect hearing loss while it's amenable to treatment. If you have topics you'd like discussed or questions answered, our email address is thedose at cbc.ca. If you like this episode, please give us a rating and review wherever you listen. This edition of The Dose was produced by Isabel Gallant. Our senior producer is Colleen Ross. The Dose wants you to be better informed about your health. If you're looking for medical advice, see your healthcare provider. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Until your next dose. For more CBC podcasts, go to cbc.ca/podcasts.